go. Hello, everybody. It's the NBA on NBC. <laughs> or not. It's the Ocean State sidelines. Uh, Will Gagan here, sports editor of The Independent with Brendan McGare of the Pawtucket Times. I like that mu- music choice, Brendan. I know, you know, I know Fox Sports 1 is using that for Big East yes, games. Yes, they are, actually. But still, it, it really reminds me of the NBA on NBC. Like and Big Sunday, Ten. Sunday afternoon. Big Ten, too? Oh, yeah. man. Yeah. You, re- you remember this song because every time they played it, it seemed like Michael Jordan was winning a yep, championship. Absolutely. Yep. All right, well, here we are. Uh, been a couple weeks since we had a had an episode here, so we're still uh, still deep in college basketball season. Uh, we will start with the Rhode Island Rams, who saw their 10-game winning streak come to an end on Tuesday at uh, not, not a surprising spot for it to end uh, at Dayton. It was an 81-67 win for the Flyers. Uh, the Rams fall to 10-2 in conference play, 18-6 overall. You know, keep, they're still very much on track for an NCAA bid. I don't think that loss really changed much. In fact, their net moved up one spot. Their Ken Palm moved up two spots. Uh, more missed opportunity for the, for the Rams, and, and it really started with, uh, with falling behind 17 to nothing, which I have never seen before in a college basketball game. No, that's a very deep hole to dig yourself out of. But, you know, in the grand scheme of things, well, it, it does not hurt them. It's, uh, you know, Dayton is the class they like 10 if nobody was believing, truly believing that before. They, the Flyers truly made a statement on uh, Tuesday night. Just URI was never really in the game at all. But it doesn't hurt the Rams in the bigger, bigger scheme of things. You know, the Rams have been a taking care of business team right along this point, you know, taking care against uh, the, the UMasses of the world, the George Washingtons, you know, those are the games you have to win. You can't trip up in those games, and to, to URI's credit, they haven't. It would have been nice to, you know, really solidify the resume had they gotten Dayton on their home court, but the good news is they have a shot against the Flyers because they're coming to the Ryan Center in a couple weeks. They do, and, you know, Dayton was just super impressive. I mean, the, the start against a, a team that had won 10 games in a row, a team that has won at UD Arena, that has seniors and veterans and 3,000-point scores to come out and blitz them like that. Pretty incredible. I mean, there is something, I think, a little fluky about a 17 nothing start. Like, you, you, maybe a 10-2 to 2 is more representative. But either way, can't dig yourself a hole like that if you're, if you're you or I. And, and for Dayton, just really impressive at both ends of the floor. That's what I was most impressed with. You know, their offense, everyone knows, is really good. It's one of the top uh, Ken Palm offenses. I think it's rated two at the last check. Um, their defense had had kind of struggled a little bit here and there, um, but they they just shut URI down, and the offense was as good as advertised, just spreading the floor. And URI has trouble stopping that kind of offense. They've shown that before. You know, against Richmond, even Brown a little bit. When URI gets spread out, when they don't force turnovers, that's where they run into trouble. And I think that's that's the biggest issue for them going forward in a potential rematch with Dayton. They've got to figure out, figure out a way for their defense to be as good as it can be, as, as good as it is against other teams against Dayton. And I think, too, you know, UD Arena, that's a very, very impressive atmosphere. I think yes. uh, that might be the toughest atmosphere. Well, I shouldn't say that the, the uh, Rams went down to West Virginia. That's pretty tough. But, you know, it was one thing to go there, you know, on a Sunday afternoon in mm-hmm. December. Yeah. It's another thing to go in when you ha- you're riding a 10-game winning streak you know, people out in Dayton are probably thinking this is maybe a potential challenger to the regular season title, and yep. you know, 
the Flyers, they they checked off every box. and uh, But now if you're URI, it's kind of like, you know, you turn the page and move forward to Saturday afternoon at high noon. It is, yeah. I mean, for in terms of bouncing back, uh, you really, really couldn't ask for a better draw than getting St. Joe's uh, at home on Saturday. URI had a little bit of trouble with St. Joe's on the road, but St. Joe's is winless in the A-10, worst team in the A-10 right now. Uh, they have one, one really good scorer in Ryan Daly and, and not a whole lot else. And you or I, when they had some of the struggles at St. Joe's, that was a game where Jeff Doughton was suspended by the NCAA for the one game. He'll, that's, you know, not going to happen this time. I would expect the Rams to come out and take care of business, and, and they, they really have to. These next, uh, next four games, until that rematch with Dayton, they've got to take care of business. And you have St. Joe's, really can't have a misstep there. Uh, and then you're at Davidson, tough game. You're at Fordham. Home against St. Louis, and then Dayton comes to town March 4th. Um, so only three regular, home regular season games left for the Rams. No, and I think if you're URI, you probably point to uh, George Mason beating VCU yes, the other night absolutely. as a prime example of we can't afford to let down our guard in the slightest bit because if you look at it at the end of the day, that could be a very, very damaging loss for VCU. Yeah, that, that, uh, that if they don't make the NCAA tournament, that will be the reason why. Um, so, yeah, URI can definitely look at that, and that was one of their themes that uh, – media availability the other day was that they they understand they saw that they they know they have to take care of business and you know, I remember a few years ago they had a loss to Dayton that uh, that kind of turned into two losses and that that's what you can't let happen I think that loss to Brown also turned into two losses earlier this year for them so they've got to bounce back on on Saturday and uh, and then after that they actually have a week off they have their bye um, so they get a little break so they get through get through this um, and kind of head down the stretch uh, feeling pretty good if they can get a win Saturday. So speaking of a uh, college basketball team that's kind of made it a habit of turning one loss into two, we'll go to the Providence <laughs> Friars, who uh, for a, ble- a brief flickering moment looked like they had a little bit of NCAA tournament life, winning at Baller and then coming home and being another nationally ranked team in Creighton. But since then, they've kind of uh, regressed going back to form with uh, a loss at Xavier, a close loss, and then just really just a no-show effort at uh, St. John's the other night, you know, a game that uh, the Johnnies were missing. They're one of their best leading scorers in Mustafa Hera, and never really were in the game, the Friars, and uh, they get another tall task Saturday against Seton Hall, and, you know, fans are kind of like hearing the same broken record the whole season where, you know, bad shot selection, lack of a sturdy point guard play, and, uh, they're getting a little frustrated, and, you know, you really can't blame them. This Friar team that people thought were going to have a promising season just hasn't materialized to date. Yeah, and it's, you know, these last two games, it kind of seems like the old Denny Green quote we are, who they thought who they were, who we thought they were. Um, and you're seeing that a little bit. You know, they had, they had shown some hints. They won at Butler. They, they beat Creighton. But then it, they kind of slide back into into what they had been doing before with, with just – just struggling with the shot selection, struggling on offense, having bad starts. Uh, and at, at some, a certain point, it's sort of like that. That is then more than, more than the, the win at Butler, more than the win over Creighton. Not saying they can't get to that level again. Uh, they, they still have the potential to do that. That's still in there, that, that ability. But they, they clearly have a hard time doing it consistently and, and getting to playing their best uh, when, they, when they need to. No, and uh, it's just uh, there's been too many peaks and valleys with this fire team where, you know, there's just no level of consistency. There's uh, 
bad shooting nights. There's bad indecision decision making at the end of games. It's just um, it's been a it's been a cornucopia really just struggles for this group. And you know you know we keep hearing about uh, from Head Cooley that the Friars are working on late game situations and putting four minutes up on the clock and saying it's like seventy three seventy two and what do we do here in this particular scenario? And then you kind of see what happened like example last Saturday against Xavier where. You know, Alpha Diallo takes a rush shot. Juan Pimpkins is throwing up a deep three with a minute to go in the game, and you're still within striking distance. It uh, it makes you wonder is what is really going on there behind the scenes? Is the coach and the coaching staff really getting through to the players? The good news is, you know, you the Big East is loaded with opportunity, so you know you can really solidify your position with really with just one big win, and the Friars have that opportunity on Saturday night as. Miles Powell and Seton Hall is coming to the dugout, a Seton Hall team that is coming off a loss of its own. But, you know, the beat goes on for the Friars as they kind of try to figure this out and see what they can do other than having to win the Big East tournament to qualify for the NCAAs. Right. Six games left in the regular season. Got to win a lot of them, to, uh, including Seton Hall, to have any chance. And that's I think. the problem with losing to St. John's the other night. Right. You know, St. John's team had been struggling. It almost looks like you know the Friars still have games left against Marquette. They have to go to Seton Hall. They have to go to Villanova, and of course they have Seton Hall on Saturday night. You know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that you probably have to win at least two out of three of those games. That's yeah. a tall order. And the good yes. news is Seton Hall's yeah. at home, and also Marquette's at home. But those are three of the better teams in the Big East. Yeah, so that, that's going to be a challenge. But I mean, you know, it is still there is still time for them to make a little run, and and maybe the more realistic path is to just try to get, just try to be playing better for when you get to Madison Square Garden. Yeah, that, that, no question. But uh, we will turn our attention now to a little college baseball. Yeah, how about that? And uh, it's opening day for college baseball. It well. is. It is. It's always. Uh, I don't think it has ever failed to sneak up on me, despite the fact that it sneaks up on me every year. Uh, but yeah, I you know caught up with uh, URI the other day in their hitting barn. Uh, nice to hear the ping of the bat and the uh, pitches slapping into the catcher's mitt because uh, uh, yeah, I'm a big baseball guy, so I enjoyed that. Uh, so yeah, URI opens up at Lamar, uh, three game set starting today, Friday and Saturday, Sunday. Then they go to Maryland. Their first 18 games on the road, pretty, pretty typical for a Northeast team. Um, so, so, yeah, so they open up uh, open up this weekend. And then Bryant, as well, is uh, is headed south. They're going to uh, William, Wilmington, North Carolina for the Seahawks Classic. They're yep. actually opening up against Dayton this afternoon. Oh, I, I think believe one of the favorites in the, in the Atlantic 10 this year. That's right, yep. Um, junior uh, Tyler Mas- Masterson is getting the ball for the opener today at high noon. And... Uh, you know, it's a uh, year of transition up at Smithfield. Uh, gone is uh, longtime head coach uh, Steve Owens. He left last July to take over as the head coach at Rutgers. And uh, Ryan Klossman has come over to come up, I guess, from uh, Florida or South Florida to uh, take over the program. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what he can do. He's, he said that the infrastructure is in place mm-hmm. to kind of continue what uh, Coach Owens has started. And uh, there's a lot of turnover on this team you know, you don't really kind of move forward, minus when you lose so many draft picks like the uh, Bulldogs did a year ago. But there are some good pieces still in place and uh, a coaching staff that really believes that uh, they have a chance to make an impact. Yeah, I mean, they've 
that that was a really attractive job when it came open last spring because it's they built that program into into one of the top programs in the Northeast without question. Uh, so we'll see what they can do. They as always they have a really tough schedule, um, so they'll they'll have a chance to make a little bit of a splash if they can get some early wins. Uh, as for URI, they uh, they kind of got back on the right track a little bit last year. They had missed the NCAA tournament the year before. They got or not the NCAA tournament, the A10 tournament. Top seven teams in the league make the A10 tournament, so not the easiest thing to do out of fourteen teams. So you got to be in the top half. Uh, so URI had made it a bunch of years in a row and then missed. Uh, two years ago, they got there last year, made a little bit of noise before bowing out. They feel like they're they're even better equipped uh, to make a little run this year. Uh, have some veteran guys, De- pretty you know pretty solid weekend rotation with Justin Cherry, who was kind of a breakout star last year, leading the way. Nick Robinson, and Vitaly Jangles, both veteran guys, uh, and their offense has some some standouts who who have done it before, who have been pretty legit hitters for them. So they they have pretty high hopes. They were picked seventh in the A ten. Uh, which I, I think is probably a little low in their minds, but eh, they don't mind. They'll they'll go out and try to prove that on the field that they they can be a championship contender. And just going back to your point, well, I mean, uh, you know, college baseball around here, you know, may not get the attention because these teams like Brian and URI and a few others, they're spending most of their time down south to open the season. Yes. So it, it feels like when they open the season, mid had their first home game around mid March. It's still not going to be ideal weather conditions no. out there, but. Uh, they're going to have at least like 18 games under their belts at that point. Yeah, yeah, it's really funny. They do, you do a, from a writer perspective, you do a season preview and then they just disappear for for a month basically. Yeah, I mean, you know, Brian, they obviously they're going to Wilmington, North Carolina, they go to Atlanta, they go to Blacksburg, College Park and uh, another trip to North Carolina. It's yeah. just uh life's on the road for the uh, first yes. month and a half and uh you know, you have to do it because right now it has we record this on friday morning it's about 30 degrees yes. outside i mean there's no snow on no the ground. snow that's true yeah i remember some years going to do the uri baseball preview and walking through a, a plowed path to the to the hitting barn so but you're right they kind of disappear a little bit until yeah. mid-march when they finally get the chance to play not only home games but also conference games as well that's true yeah all right, so we'll uh, we'll finish it up here with some some shout outs. Uh, mine, this is uh, this is a little old now, but we haven't done a podcast since Colby Corson hit the shot of the season, the shot of the year, the shot of the decade, maybe the shot of the century for the Narragansett uh, boys basketball team. Uh, if you haven't seen the highlight of that, it was number one play on Sports Center. Uh, you need to look it up. Full court shot, just caught a free throw rebound with about a second left turns he's like kind of fading away and just fires uh, a baseball pass that slams off the backward and goes in just an incredible shot uh he got the full media attention uh, all the tv stations wanted to talk to him uh and he's having a great year so that's a, spe- a special moment for him and, and for the mariners there so well done colby i think the most important aspect of that play is that you know he switched uh, positions on the free throw line he did yeah he was he was initially guarding the or he was supposed to block out the shooter uh and they switched it after the first free throw coach kyle bonington said he just wanted uh corson's athleticism down there to maybe kind of make something happen and he, he certainly made something happen and uh, my shout-out is to the uh, Cumberland High girls basketball team. Uh, winners of uh, nine straight after beating North Providence on Thursday night. But uh, in a different light, they really um, 
heard about an injury suffered by a Mount St. Charles uh, freshman girls basketball player, Lilia Cunanan. She tore ACL meniscus. Uh, she was having a pretty good first year for the Mounties. And upon, the Mount, upon uh, hearing that news, the Clipper girls uh, got together. And uh, last Friday, when, when they over the Mount, they presented uh, Lily with uh, a card, some balloons, and chocolates, and a teddy bear. Kind of, you know, all the usual trinkets to say, uh, you know, best of luck in your recovery. Good luck. We're thinking of you. It was a really nice sign of sportsmanship to hear about. Uh, in a time when you know girls basketball kind of had a tough winter in terms of all the blowouts out there, this was really a, a nice uh, bit of news to uh, come across. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Well done. Well done, Cumberland. And right. uh, that should do it this week. Uh, we'll be back soon with another podcast. And uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Thank you for listening. See you soon.